they're like, yeah, my last therapist would say stuff like, oh, yeah, you need to kind of go and get out there and and force yourself to go and be in a social situation. And it's like, really? How and why? And, and like, does anyone have an idea of what are you going to do? Just go to the fucking mall and then walk <laughs> Well, like literally, like if, if you're you're a 50 year old, super successful businessman, that's what you're going to fucking do is you're going to just go to the mall and walk through and be like, oh, yes, look at this. Like we now bring you enter the Freud. This is for entertainment purposes only. It is no way medical advice. There's so much being said about. The sensation of social social isolation, right? Social isolation as a phenomenon is trying to be quantified and measured, and then compared to oh, it causes more problems than it causes more health problems than smoking cigarettes, or it's the pain of social isolation is indistinguishable from physical pain. That's another study I looked at. Oh yeah, right. And I, what intrigues me is, I, I feel like when people talk about social isolation, there's a tendency to just assume that it's because of COVID and because of COVID, everyone retreated to their apartments and worked on Zoom for two years. And so now everyone's been isolated for the past couple of years and it's slow to get back going. And, and obviously there's some truth to that, but I think there's a much more interesting story about um, why we humans are choosing to sit in our living rooms on our computers or in front of Netflix or swiping on our phone. Like we're choosing that. And yeah, COVID really amped it up dramatically. Yeah. But, but now people are choosing to not go back to work. They, more, a ton of people are choosing to sit in their pajamas in their living room all day, every day. And why are, why are humans increasingly choosing that? I don't know, but, but there, there's a, a phenomenon that's, that's kind of um, got some publicity in Japan called, I think it's called Hikikimori. It's probably pronounced Hikikimori or like, I don't fucking <laughs> like, I don't know what, how, but it, it spelled Hikikimori. And, uh-huh. and what, what does it mean? It means like a form of full removal from the world. And often these people will just stay in their bedroom for months <clears throat> and years at a time. And there's mm. half a million young people doing that in Japan and half a million middle-aged people doing it. There's a million people in Japan hiding in their rooms. And, and they're kind of like, uh, doing some sort of work on a computer? I have, I have no idea what they're doing, uh-huh. but they are socially reclusive, like minimal contact with the outside world. So may, that maybe suggests that this tendency that we're talking about is more advanced in Japan um, and that it's maybe, it's like kind of like a cultural thing and certain cultures tend towards self-isolation. Yeah, there there has to be. And if we do a cultural comparison, it gets really weird because Europe claim there. I saw some study where they were claiming that that a bunch of these European countries were only like six percent lonely. But then after COVID, it's twenty six percent. 
an increase uh, of yeah. 20%. But, yep. and, and maybe that's accurate, right? Because some of those countries had really crazy lockdowns in ways that we didn't, like in Italy or, or um, uh, dude, I can't, I can't remember what, which countries there were where you would get massive fines and the police were after you if you left your apartment. Remember that? Yep. So, yep. so maybe, they, maybe there was a worse uh, forced isolation experience and then what if we go and look at countries like India, where in some parts of India, you would say, like, good luck finding any fucking isolation. <laughs> like, that sure. would be impossible to achieve. Yes. Like, that's super. Well, my, my theory is that humans, for most of human history, it, isolation was impossible to achieve. Because they were living in tribes and there were no buildings with walls and doors you could close. And just to survive, the tribe had to work together. So for I think for 99.9999% of his human history and 99.9999999% of humans ever, <laughs> isolation was impossible. Yeah. Well, it's and now and now it's getting more and more. Now there's apparently a million people in Japan who've been isolated for years, and it's. I think it's a bigger deal. I, I think that we need to think more critically about this. Definitely. Well, certainly later on when we try to figure out what the hell are we going to do about this, not only individually with our patients, but as a collective. This, if this trend continues. I mean, look, the, there's it gets really weird, though, when you because the terms just get muddled and the ideas of like, like, for example, the, the I tried to find the American equivalent of Hikikomori and, and it's just like, oh, the failure to launch people. Right. Mm -hmm. That term, it, it kind of is an umbrella term for people who are 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 staying at home past the developmental stage. So there's like. There's like 10 million Americans that are 24 to 34 that still live at home with their parents. And yeah. that, once again, if you, th if you look at India, how many people still live with their parents? Well, it's like a billion, right? right. Because, because that's <laughs> the family structure. But in America, you are not supposed to live with your parents. You're yep. supposed to achieve this kind of nuclear family individuality. You separate yep. and you get your own house, you do your thing like that's, And if you don't do that, now it's considered like some, well, it's pathological. That's what we call it. Well, and then I don't have the stats, but here's my guess is that the, the tons of people in America, these 20 somethings in America who are still living with their parents, a lot of them are like living in the basement playing video games all day eating TV dinners kind of thing. Whereas the bazillion people in India living with their parents, they're helping out on the family farm and helping raise their young nieces and nephews and their work. And it's like a healthy part of the societal structure where the fa failure to launch people, it's failure to launch. Yeah, I guess just adding another layer of complexity, which I shouldn't do, but whatever it's it seems like we have this weird trend 
I just pile on layers of complexity <laughs> and then you 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 systematically <laughs> I'm trying to not drown in the layers of complexity. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're constantly going like, let's simplify this. It's, it's so funny, like over the episodes. But I'm gonna just I'm gonna do it again because right. the difference between young people like kids like our kids' age to then middle-aged to elder people in America and Europe, it's profoundly different in how much people feel connected or lonely. The, it's yep. increasing that young people are feeling disconnected and lonely, yep. impressively, but then like what happens past the age 60, I, I was looking at this study in Europe and it's like 50% of elderly Europeans feel totally isolated and lonely and specifically women. And, and it was, huh. it, it was through, through countries like Ireland, Switzerland, Germany, um, Netherlands. Uh, oh, oh, there was, it was, it was so many countries that, that they looked at. And this seems to be like a global phenomenon. That older people, especially women are getting increasingly isolated. Yes. Yeah. Well, in these, in these, developed countries that we're talking about, right? Right, not in India or not in Africa. That it probably doesn't happen so much because again, it's like they still have more of the community extended family thing going on. It's possible. Yeah. Well, so so then- Okay, it, so here, let see, me propose a- th You're gonna go do ahead. your thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trying to like, sort out and make sense and like uh, arrange the the room so okay let's put this over here and this over here so i can yeah, see where the that, hell we are that's what I, I did a perfect setup for you <laughs> okay so here's uh, here's a theory i'll propose i have no idea this theory is just i'm completely pulling this one out of my ass but it, it's kind of an interesting theory is that social interaction is a little bit like exercise or eating right. Um, kind of like uh, the way I could propose this theory is like when industrialization of food first started, like we first started developing um, refined sugar and it became super cheap, then everyone just started just like drinking soda and eating desserts and everyone got really fat, kind of like we've seen happen. Yeah. Um, and, and then later you realize, oh, wait, I need to learn some self-discipline and I have to force myself to do a thing that I wouldn't do, which is like re restrict my eating or let me exercise is a better example. Uh, maybe for all of human history, humans were just super physically active because we're like chasing down squirrels to try to eat them, you know, so you're super active and you're eating a low calorie diet because you just got to catch a squirrel to eat, you know. But then at some point, you when you're when we're working in our offices and stuff, you have to force yourself to go do exercise because of some abstract intellectual principle of like, oh, humans need to exercise, so I'm going to go force myself to do a thing that I don't actually naturally instinctively want to do. Okay, so the theory is, is that maybe social interaction is kind of like that. It, se it seems weird, but I think it's worth considering is that humans have social anxiety or social 
interfacing with other people isn't that easy and it's kind of difficult. So increasingly as we can just like get into our nice comfy couch and sit in front of our screens and just kind of like have Amazon and Grubhub deliver everything to us, like that's what we want to do. But now we're going to have to realize that's not good for you. You actually have to force yourself to be social. Dude, Esther Perel, your, one of your favorite ladies, came up with a term. Well, I don't know if she came up with this term, but she mentioned in response to, to the lockdowns, uh, social atrophy. Mm. It, in, and, and I mentioned this just because of what you're talking about, that yes, if you don't, if, if you live a, um, what's that lifestyle called where you don't move a lot? You're a sedentary lifestyle. Well, yep. then- you you experience all types of lean muscle mass atrophy, like significantly. And as you age past 40, it's a fucking cliff. It, yeah. it becomes a metabolic hormonal cliff that you can never return from. And yep. well, you can never return from without tremendous effort and, and, yep. and help. So like in, in this case of, of, like like developmental or stage related social requirements, it would be amazing to find out like how much does a person need? How many, how many like casual acquaintance? Hey, how's it going? You, you know how like when you're in those those small towns and you, uh, you every time you drive past someone in a truck, you're hey, you wave, hey, what's up? Like, like how many how many of those do you need versus yes. how many like like you go to get some groceries and, and you say it's, it's some, it happens to be a situation where you and the grocery people are familiar and you, and you make a little jokes. Hey, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see what you're doing with this combination. Oh, oh, do you guys have any of this? Like how many of those interactions do you need versus how many that those are like the most insignificant ones all the way to the point of just like how many I love you hey, great job to those that are the closest to you. Like, yes, yeah, so, uh, like intimate sharing of intimacies or emotions. That, it's, that's a super good question. We could divide it up to how many intimate, how many times do you need to like get angry and kind of like with another person, you know? <laughs> or how many times do you need to laugh with another person? And then we, you, we'd have to add physical touch in there too. How much physical touch do you need? How much like rough physical touch, how much tender, how much sexual stuff, like all of that stuff. It's sort of like, I'm starting to imagine back to my analogy of nutrition. It's like all the different vitamins and minerals. We have USDA recommended daily allowances of vitamin C, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, dude. But there is absolutely no recommendation as to how much social emotional, physical contact one requires before, and you'd have to do a test. It's like, look, if you are below this amount, then you will start to have these symptoms. Totally. And you could absolutely do a study. It would, it would be a massive study, but this study could be done where you could find out, well, as we restrict, as we notice this, this giant population that is restricted and has like zero physical touch due to their special schizoid designed person, the schizoid designed lifestyle. Like, right. like, like that, that Japanese situation 
absolutely would be if they were to get in front of a, a clinical psychologist that is a schizoid personality disorder but it's it's yep. impossible because there can't be that many you right. can't have a million schizoid personality disorders so the criteria is just like um it, it, it's something else this is yeah some- and uh, if i try to push my theory it's like there's an epidemic of obesity and the 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 metaphor then is there's an epidemic of these like um, self-isolating people that, and it c- creates this certain, I think, horrible psychological state. Well, since we don't have a study that would help us, this is like a little call out to any, like, it's too bad we can't find any, any, like, any young, um, young psychologists who haven't, haven't decided on a dissertation yet, but that would be an excellent topic. Like get out there, start to propose such a study. But then, then again, if you know anything about research, like no one's going to fund this research. Um, there's, there's no, um, like beef isn't going to, isn't going to pay for this. Milk isn't going to pay for this. No, right. Who who the fuck's going to... The NIH isn't going to pay for it because you can't prove that this is... It's going to solve a disease problem, right? Right. Like, no one's going to do this. That's probably why this shit hasn't happened. But that's me also talking out of my ass, but... No, but it's a good question. It's like, it doesn't seem like there's any corporation out there that stands to gain from um, realizing this hypothesis that we have. Yeah, well, so, well, yeah, what, what's what's going through your noggin before I rip us down another road? Well, I just, my, the way my noggin works is I'm always trying to go think about what we've talked about and then address anything that hasn't been addressed. And the very first thing is, why is Andrew Tate not <laughs> angry but lonely? That's, that's, we haven't addressed that yet. And that's an interesting question, but we no, don't no. need to go back to that. No, let's go back because that, I think that this presentation, as it collects, well, public attention for, for its outrage or for all of the young people who want to emulate this. I, I hear a lot of young guys talk about much more Dan Bilzerian that they want to be like him. Like they want to be somehow buff and older and then always on a yacht, flying in a jet with tons of models and rich and famous. Like that would be a fantastic way to live. This is what, this is what it it looks like. But that message is exactly the opposite of what we're talking about. We're talking about a much more fundamental, how much, how much social contact do you need within 24 hours versus a week versus a month? Because some shit you don't want to do every single day. Like, yep. you, you, like, you don't really want to have an in-depth talk with your mom every single day, I think. <laughs> so, yep. Some people do, but whatever. Like, the, yep. the, some things, but, but, and I don't know, like, how much of, of the feelings of loneliness do you think would be staved away from a lifestyle that is, like, I, I want to say pretended by Dan Bilzerian? I don't know anything about the guy other than like a few clips people have sent me th- saying, hey, look at this. Like that, 
like being surrounded by that many beautiful women that if they were your f friends and confidants and lovers, like that may stave off like 90% of the experience of loneliness, seriously. Cause, but then you, then you, but you're going to miss out on the connection with your, your parents. You're going to, you're going to miss out on, on the rewarding experience of raising awesome kids who then continuously look to you as like, oh man, this is great. Like we're in this together. And also there's, there's like a missing component with bros. Like you and your boys yeah. are not like, like tackling the world's adventures, but, yeah. but whatever. Um, this, here's this metaphor is popping to mind because I, 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 it's maybe relevant. It certainly is interesting. It's like, um, the chimpanzees or the bonobos world versus the gorillas world. And these, there is this manosphere movement towards become an alpha male and yeah. like uh, optimize your life and, you know, earn a lot of money and uh, work out a lot and get super buff and successful and become a chad, <laughs> you know, that term, the yeah. chad. like become a chad and be the most you can be. The whole manosphere is kind of like pushing that whole um worldview and i do feel like they're living like in a gorilla assumption of a world as yes. opposed to the chimpanzee thing so my my understanding of maybe bonobos even more so than chimpanzees i'm not really sure is that it's much more of a egalitarian social community that shares and that they've their evolutionary adaptation is to work together and to share and they share um, sexual partners and they share food and they're working together. Whereas the gorilla, and again, I don't really know much about chimpanzees and gorillas, but this is the, the stereotypical You're a primatologist. <laughs> right. this, is, this is Dave's <laughs> primatologist lecture. <laughs> is that the gorilla is more in the model of like what the lions do, which is there's like one alpha yeah. and he don't let any other guys be around and he hoards all the ladies for himself yeah. until occasionally a new young alpha comes and fights him and and knocks him out and then he takes over the horde of ladies. That's right. Um and I my belief I, I sort of think humans male humans or all humans I think we kind of have both of those tendencies in us but I but if you watch documentaries or read about um indigenous tribes I, it sounds way more to me like the bonobos and the chimps really it doesn't it doesn't look like there's no evidence to me that looks like humans did the gorilla thing where there's like one man having sex with all the women and then a bunch of young estranged dudes who are like pissed because they have no ladies it doesn't seem like we did that no heart I, not really no i don't think we ever did and, and as you see within chimps they don't do that. There right. is absolutely no ruler by gorilla dominance. Anyone who yep. tries to do that gets torn apart by like seven or eight other chimps. They gang yep. up and they're just like, fuck this dude. And humans yep. are way more sophisticated in that way. We totally will just like poison, stab, kill in the night. Do, we need to dispose of anybody like that. But totally. That, and and that, it, that also has a lot to do with like male bonding as you see young teenagers cruise around in groups of five to eight 
going around in this like this thing. But then that those groups, if we weren't so organized and civilized, I suppose we're we are drifting off into this like primatologist world that both of us don't know shit about. But it, as we gravitate back to human beings, that now it's a territory that we totally know a ton about, and it's like yep. this as it as it relates to how does this relate to this kind of a phenomenon of needing a social or a contact a connection um amount a, a, a an fda approved connection amount well simply put if we're more like chimps than we are like gorillas which i strongly believe then we need a lot of uh, community connection with all types of different genders and ages. And just to be in a complex community interconnected web, we need that because we evolved having that. And this model, the manosphere, red pill, Andrew Tate model is aimed towards the gorilla thing which I don't think actually ultimately works that well with our uh, uh, interpersonal needs or our mental health. And I don't think Andrew Tate's mental health is very good. Um, <laughs> but yes, because if you're in a world where social connection is absolutely required for you to then climb the, the real rungs of, of social acceptance and and achievement really if, if that's what it takes and then you decide oh i'm gonna just fuck this whole system but that's kind of in response to what's been going on lately where there's this this like radical leftist movement that's just like burn down the establishment defund the police la 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 la, la and also live like andrew tate and and then <laughs> and then create an autonomous zone and fucking in Seattle, where then eventually okay, people get murdered. But, okay, but the <laughs> radical leftist, I think that they that they're more trying to do the chimpanzee thing. It's more like socialism. Let's all get along and Bonobo. masculinity. Bonobo. Yes, and they're and and I think in the radical leftist, masculinity is toxic. So there shouldn't be any like. Um, hierarchical male sexual market value alpha thing. I think they're anti all that. So I think that the Andrew Tate thing is this extreme right counter reaction <laughs> to that, right? Yeah, totally. And so my sense is that there's truths on both sides, but since both sides have gotten so extreme, they're both becoming imbalanced and kind of silly. And so it's a matter of finding the truths on both sides and trying to figure out how to, how they can work together. In that case, we should totally thank Tate for his work. He's doing a he's doing a great job. As long as but th check this out. He has millions of young dudes subscribing to his his program to learn how to live life. I should fucking subscribe to that just to find out what the fuck are they talking about. But I, I'm afraid it would be a terrible waste of money. But well, whatever. Um, it, it's no different than what he's always talking about. It's the same old thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I generally have this about everything: um, is that there's something, there's something in there. I think it's a mistake to just completely disregard them as all idiots. Yes. I don't think. 
I think you pick the most idiotic thing like the um, Hailbot Comet people that all killed themselves because they thought they were going to ascend. Okay, it's it's delusional, but I think the what we have to do is to like try to put our self in their shoes and try to find what it is, what they need or what they're, what's feeding them in that. I think just dismissing them as idiots is a mistake. I think there's learning lost. And then it, that just creates this extremism. Okay. I totally agree. Absolutely agree with what you're saying. And generally speaking, the truth in the Andrew Tate thing is um, he, m- men, although we maybe would say women too, I don't know if it's only men, that men need to like be working hard towards personal advancement. And if you do that, like like there's a need for that to be working hard towards personal advancement and to be climbing a mountain. And as you climb a mountain, you gain nice things like a nice house and a nice car, and then you can get an attractive lady. And like, we humans need that and men need that. And the left is denying it and saying that's toxic and that's bullshit. And there's probably some mature men that are saying this in a more mature way. But for some reason, the more extreme expression of it that Andrew Tate is saying is what attracts kind of all the dramatic uh, social media attention. Sure. All right. Well, if that's true, and it definitely rings true to me that that there there is a need for all of us to do things as opposed to lock yourself in a room by the millions. And then I don't know what the fuck you're doing in there. Maybe you're the one who created Bitcoin or you most likely are just stuck on Genshin Impact trying to get to level 55 pointlessly. Pointless, like like a, a, a waste of a life as you as you look back. Um. But this is where I have to to force us to go down to this to this next place of what are we going to do? This this happens all the time where I run into patients of various ages that that have this experience. They realize, oh, shit, I am isolated. The contact I have is I have a girlfriend and then I go to work and I have some contact with people at work. Then I go back home and that's it. Like, yes, that's, that's my life. It clearly is not enough nutrients for the self. So then what we end up is an atro- a social atrophy. Yes. And, and that is painful, potentially as much as physical pain, chronic pain, which then leads to all kinds of, um, you know, d- dysregulated hormones and then early death and, and, and disease states. Totally. Like, like that. Well, so the, so that the hypo, the hypothetical answer I've proposed to this, and I'm, I know it's not as simple as my simple answer, but there's maybe quite a bit of truth to my answer is um, it's this like short-term gain versus long-term gain or, or not even gain, just short-term versus long-term in the short-term it's easier just to go home and hang up by yourself and watch Netflix or swipe on TikTok. That's the short-term easiest thing. But in the long term, it leads to fucking misery and feeling like a loser and feeling awful. But in the short term, it's easier. Kind of like in the short term, it's easier to not go to the gym. And in the short term, it's easier to order a Domino's pizza. 
Yeah. But in the long term, if you just order Domino's pizzas, never go to the gym, and go home and sit in your apartment, in the long term, you're fucking miserable. Yeah. But so um, then what, what, what are, like, because we don't have, first of all, we don't even have this mapped out. Uh, like, as, as we mentioned, the criteria of physical, um, social from, from casual waving in a car all the way to in-depth conversation about the meaning of life with your girlfriend. Like, we don't have this mapped out. It's like, how much does a person need? And then if we did know that, how are we going to facilitate that shit? Yeah, that's a good question. Here's a, a thought that maybe is helpful in that. I, um, I don't know exactly how this relates or even if it relates, but here it is is I think I see, again, hypothesis, I'm shooting in the dark here. I think I see lots of youth um, who come home from school and go in their rooms and get on their phones and start playing video games or whatever. And it's easier for parents just to let them do that. Mm. And it looks very different than what youth were doing 50 years ago before computers were invented. 50 years ago, after school, youth were playing together. Yeah. Um, and nowadays, I'm shocked actually when I see my son and his peer group who are all like quite cool, healthy, pretty socially well-adjusted people. Yeah, they're, yeah, not hang they're, they're not hanging out with each other yeah. Nearly as much as I did. Yeah, yeah. And it's I really think I probably did it less than when you see these like movies or something from like the 50s. It just was like kids were together like all nonstop 24-7 social interaction. Yeah. So a, a theory could be is that it's starting early. It's getting easier and easier for people to retreat into our phones as and and that we're learning to do it as we're young and parents aren't forcing it and now it starts to get easier just to let kids do school remotely yeah you know and again it's just the path of least resistance is it's so easy just to get on your phone and do your thing on your phone and i see parents who have kids who are the kids are struggling in school they're getting into trouble um in this way that one the other and then the, the parents are like oh well i'll just let them do remote school you know yeah well, listen, that was a really good explanation as to how we got here. That was actually really good and helpful. But that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, right. like, what the hell are we going to do? Like, what, like, like, this is, it, I hear these complaints about other treatment providers trying to solve this problem for, for patients who will say, like, I hear it because the patient is now my patient. They're like, yeah, my last therapist would say stuff like, oh yeah, you need to kind of go and get out there and and force yourself to go and be in a social situation. And it's like, really, how and why? And, and like, does anyone have an idea of what are you gonna do? Just go to the fucking mall and then walk? <laughs> well, like literally, like if, if you're, you're a 50 year old, super successful businessman, that's what you're gonna fucking do is you're gonna just go to the mall <laughs> and walk through and be like, oh, yes, look at this. Like, like, <laughs> why is that funny? What, what, why? Because uh, the thought of the 50-year-old dude going to the mall is fucking absurd. 
Um, well, all right. So here's my. Where's the alternative? Like, what the fuck are are we supposed to be doing? Well, are, I think there. I, I think they're all alternatives. I think you and I maybe have different assumptions here. L let me let me share mine with you, and then I'll address yours. My assumption is, if you've decided that you need social contact. You're, you've committed to doing it, and so you're going to take the hard step of forcing yourself to do it. If you've done that, I think the, the job is 90% done. I, don't, I think that if you want it, you can get it. Um, it's not easy, but you can get it. I could be wrong, but so my, if I'm trying to like uh, put my finger on the crux of the problem, I don't think it's how do you get it. I think the crux of the problem is having the person realize they fucking need it and they need to go force themselves to get it. That's they, my thought. Yeah, you're right. We do have different ideas because I, I find myself frequently in the position of the person has already realized it, but then actualizing a plan appears to be profoundly difficult. Like, like even if you, if you go, up, go on to meetup.com and you find out, oh, these are the things I'm interested in. I want to go on hikes too. And then you go on a hike and there's there's 20 people and you find that you can't relate to any of them. And so then okay, the, so, then the yeah, experience so then, but, is a negative feedback. Yeah, it, okay, but so the, the problem then isn't that there's not a hike available because I think there are hikes available or book clubs or running clubs or you can go to the, there's the, in Minnesota, there's the, and probably everywhere, there's like cigar stores where you just, if you're into cigars, you go in the store and there'll be like seven dudes, they're smoking cigars and you can sit around and talking about cigars. Or there's a, the, the, in Minnesota, there's this YZ Yacht Club and every day, seven days a week, they go out on these cool little sailboats and have sailboat racing and they always need extra crew members. And there's a bench, a, a literal bench that has a sign on it that says, if you want a crew, sit here and you can go sit in the thing. And someone will be like, come on, I need you to crew on my boat. So I oh. think there are opportunities. It'd be nice if there was more and better. And if pe I think if people realized they need it, more and more opportunities would develop. But I do think there's enough opportunities. But you're right. If you go out hiking and there's 20 other people on the hike and then you fail to make connections and have a positive experience, that's a big problem. Yeah, and because it most likely would give you the idea that, oh, I made an attempt, it didn't work, see, the world is flawed, or I'm flawed, and I can't ever do it. I, am, I will yes. never be able to, the problem is it lies within me. Or, the, totally. or conversely, the problem is the world is full of dickheads and, and whatever. Like, yes. Okay. So yeah, that's exactly, that's the biggest problem of all right there. That's bigger than mine problem that I, and I think it's different than the, oh, there's no hiking clubs problem. That is what I would call like the crux of most people's mental health problems. What it's, is it exactly? Say it again. It's problem. It's relate. Getting your relational needs met is fucking complex as hell and difficult as hell and every human being on the entire planet has problems in that area some people have serious fucking problems some people have relatively minor problems and every person that walks into therapy one of the main roots and usually the main root but always one of the main roots of their problems is this thing we're talking about is how is knowing how to navigate interpersonal relationships to get your relational needs met. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that that was pretty clear. And but my <laughs> my dream is to figure out like a 
kind of like a a pathway that would 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 allow from the very beginning of helping kids like your son and my son who are super socially well adjusted like both of those kids are 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 super dynamic and and but but they uh, they aren't doing this cur- currently and i don't know maybe their hormones and whatever more adult things will drive them to do this but i'm afraid it looking at the way that the the world is starting to design it or we are designing it or it is it is unconsciously becoming it is unconsciously evolving into a thing that would then perpetuate this 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 it i was going to say irresponsible but like just a preposterous level of autonomy that that then becomes it's not autonomy anymore it's it's uh uh, a self-reliance that then forces you away from a connectedness that we all need. Totally, totally. I totally agree. It made me think of this story. I was dating, back when I was young, I was like 22, I was dating this woman uh, who was a nanny. I won't say the name of the people. They're fairly, pretty famous. A super, super rich family in Washington, D.C., kind of famous, you'd maybe heard their name. Um, And she was the nanny for their, they had one son who I think at the time was like 13 and they had three full-time nannies. So that's, and this kid, this kid's 13 years old and they had three full-time nannies because round the clock, they wanted to have a childcare person available for him 24 seven. You know, if like the kid needed to go to the ER at 3 a.m., they wanted a nanny there on call to like take him and like 24 seven. And my girlfriend like was one of these three nannies and they wouldn't let, they, he played tennis, golf and like track or something and the the mom told my girlfriend he's not allowed to play team sports because life is not a team sport oh wow and so it's just a it's just an interesting example of what you're saying here that this uber successful family was training and molding their son to be successful in the worldview that they thought was successful. And yes, it's this hyper-autonomous, hyper-individualistic thing. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, ver- I'm slightly saddened that we didn't come up with the ultimate model that would deliver age group 10 to 15 all the way to the final one where my gramps is 95. And if you're apparently if you're married for 77 years to the same woman... And then she passes away. The, the God gives you two girlfriends. Like, that, <laughs> no, he's just, he figured this whole thing out. He's so socially connected and always has been, like, profoundly. And, um, but once again, he's 95 years old. He comes from a different world. Yes. A different universe. Yeah. And he grew, he grew up being extraordinarily socially connected all day every day from zero to 40 because there was no such thing as phones or social media or computers his world was a social interpersonal world yeah and and him and and my grandma did it so well i've never seen anyone replicate it it's like one of the greatest examples of how it could be done but obviously 
to do it today would need to be very, very different because of how we interact. So yeah. I don't know. I'm, it, I, I wish that's what, what I was doing was, was figuring this whole thing out so that then it could be delivered to our kids and to, to our friends who then potentially struggle and fucking dude, all of our patients like that, that would be great. So whatever, this is a, this is a great intro conversation to. Well, yeah. And if you want, if you want to try to get a, a answer, here's what I'm thinking is the answer we've come up with. Step one, which again, I think is the most important thing is the acknowledgement that humans fucking need tons of social interaction and so we have to prioritize that and we have to force ourselves to get it and to do it so that that's step one and i think that's a big part of the solution to the problem okay you're you're adding a second much more difficult um uh barrier to the problem is like okay so what are all the subtle things that humans need to be able to do to be successful socially and getting their relational needs met. And that's a much bigger, more complicated thing. But I actually think that you and I, it would take us, we can maybe do this over the next couple of things. I think we could lay out a lot of the basic roadmaps to that. Fuck it, let's do it. All right.